Our scripture reading for this Christmas Eve is John 8, 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Heavenly Father, please speak to us through your word tonight. Please show us more clearly the light of the world, that we may walk in his light now and always. We pray that you would work in our hearts by your Holy Spirit. To this end, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Stay. Stay. <laughs> um, we are gathered here tonight for what is in truth the greatest birthday celebration in the world. Indeed, the greatest birthday celebration in the history of the world. More songs have been written, more celebrations thrown over the birth of this one special baby than anyone else in the history of the world by far. Think about that. Kids, how would you feel if suddenly your birthday celebration grew to be the biggest most popular, most widely celebrated holiday in all the world. People from nearly every nation, on every continent, speaking most languages of the world, from all economic backgrounds, at all educational levels, all occupations and lifestyles, all celebrated your birthday every year. Imagine that. Yes, the birth of Jesus of Nazareth is indeed the most celebrated birth. And the life of Jesus of Nazareth is the most celebrated life in the history of the world. Ninety-five years ago, a Canadian pastor named James Allen Francis preached a sermon which contained a very moving section which has since been turned into a standalone poem that has inspired millions of people. He said, He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in still another village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. Then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family or owned a house. He didn't go to college. He never visited a big city. He never traveled more than 200 miles from the place he was born. He did none of the things one usually associates with greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 when the tide of public opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for his clothing, the only property he had on earth. When he was dead... He was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Twenty centuries have come and gone, and today he is the central figure of the human race and the leader of mankind's progress. All the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever sailed, all the parliaments that ever sat, all the kings that ever reigned put together have not affected the life of man on earth as much as that one solitary life. 
That's a very touching and moving expression, and it contains much truth. But there is a sad, strange fact about this great birthday celebration, and that is for many millions of people, they celebrate Christmas without ever connecting it to the birth of Jesus. In fact, some people even get a little offended if you remind them that Jesus is the reason for the season. In recent years, we've seen a decline in public expressions of the Christian faith, a rise in secularized neo-paganism, and there's become a trend in recent years for people to point out that Christmas actually didn't even begin as a Christian holiday at all, but its roots are found in the ancient Roman pagan festival of Saturnalia, or perhaps the Feast of Sol, which is the celebration of the birth of the sun god. That's the real roots of Christmas, we're told. Well, a couple of weeks ago in my sermon, I pointed out historical evidence from the church father Hippolytus in the early 200s that proves that these assertions are actually not true. In fact, Christmas, celebrated by Christians in late December, predates the Roman pagan festival of Saturnalia, which was never celebrated on December 25th, by the way, and predates the Feast of Sol by at least 50 years. It's more likely that the pagans started celebrating the feast of the birth of the sun god in order to counteract the festival of Christians for the son of God, but we can't be sure. Still, it's strange that after hundreds and hundreds of years of Christmas clearly being celebrated as the birthday of Jesus, so many people want to dilute that meaning and transform the holiday season into something that's less Jesus-y. So now imagine, kids, your birthday becomes the most celebrated birthday in the world, but millions of people want to insist it's not really your birthday, and you aren't really all that important to the celebration of the day. That would be rather strange and sad. What's even stranger still is how many millions of people do acknowledge that Christmas is the birthday of Jesus, and yet really still don't understand him or why he came. This brings us back to one solitary life. I used to love that poem when I was a kid, teenager. And then it hit me that something was missing. And I realized what was missing. The first thing that struck me, I was probably about 15 years old when this hit me. What's missing is the resurrection. Now, some people have added, three days later, he rose again which is not in the original. But as it hit me, not only is the resurrection missing, it's actually most of what Jesus came to do is missing. In fact, the poem spends so much time telling us what Jesus didn't do that it tells us almost nothing of what he did do other than working in a carpenter's shop and being an itinerant preacher. Where did his greatness come from? What about his miracles, turning water into wine, feeding 5,000 with one boy's lunch, walking on water, raising the dead? Or how about why he died, beyond the questionable fact that the tide of public opinion turned against him, which may or may not be historically accurate? And what about the resurrection? It also tells us nothing about what Jesus said about himself, does it? Some people say, well, you can talk about Jesus and the impact of his life without getting into any of that controversial stuff like miracles and resurrection. But can we, really? Imagine if someone asked you about your favorite movie characters. And you told them 
because you have taste, that you like Star Wars. And you love Anakin and Luke Skywalker. What would you say if they asked you why they were so great? Would you say, well, they were father and son. And you know, Anakin used to race in pod races, and then he fell in love with Padme, the queen of Naboo, and they got married in secret. You know, and Luke, his son, would later race his speeder through Beggar's Canyon. And that's it? They might say, okay, they raced and got married. Why are they so special? Would you say nothing about Luke blowing up the Death Star? Or about how the two of them together fought and defeated Emperor Palpatine, the greatest evil ruler the galaxy had ever seen? Would you leave out their Jedi powers and their abilities with the Force? Of course not. Without these powers and these accomplishments, what would make them special characters? Or imagine talking about Harry Potter and not once mentioning that he defeated Voldemort, the most powerful dark lord ever, or that he had to sacrifice himself and die and rise again in order to defeat Voldemort. Without the defeat of Voldemort and without his self-sacrifice, what is the significance of Harry Potter's life? And so back to Jesus. The real problem with one solitary life and other thinking like it is that it turns Jesus into an ordinary human being who lived a life of remarkable love and service to others, a life we can imitate if we tap into our inner goodness just like Jesus did. The idea of the huge impact of this one solitary life is supposed to inspire you to make the most of your one solitary life, and to know that even if you're poor and humble and insignificant in the eyes of the world, you too can change history. Your life can have a huge impact. But by turning Jesus into an inspirational figure to be imitated, James Allen Francis, whether he knew it or not, removed from Jesus the very essence of who he is and all that he had done that actually made his life powerful and impactful on the world. You see, Jesus was no ordinary baby. His birth was a miracle, a gift from God. He was promised by God for centuries before he came. Right after Adam and Eve rebelled, God made that first promise, as Elder Sean Troutman reminded us, that someone would come into the world born of a woman in a special way who would be crushed by the serpent, but who would crush the serpent's head. Throughout the pages of the Old Testament, the prophets foretold his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection in stunning detail hundreds of years before he was born. He was born of a virgin, making his birth unique in human history, and that is something that Star Wars imitated in the birth of Anakin Skywalker. He taught with unmatched wisdom, stunning crowds by his authority and insights, and he did many public miracles witnessed by thousands of people, and then he sacrificed himself in love, and he defeated his and our enemy in his death and resurrection, and that is something that J.K. Rowling intentionally imitated in Harry Potter. So tonight, on Christmas Eve, some 2,025 years after his birth and almost 2,000 years after his death and resurrection, Jesus is trusted, followed, worshipped, and adored by more people in the world from all over the world than anyone else ever has been. 
And I'd like to look very quickly at one simple statement he made about himself as we consider this baby born in Bethlehem. Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus here is affirming that we live in a dark world, a world of death, tragedy, war, disease, famine, evil. But he said, I am the light of the world. That's an incredible thing for anyone to say. And this is just one of seven things that Jesus said in John's gospel that are known as the I am sayings of Jesus. In chapter 6, he said, I am the bread of life. Here in chapter 8 and again in chapter 9, he said, I am the light of the world. In chapter 10, he said, I am the door of the sheep and I am the good shepherd. And we'll be looking at those passages tomorrow morning. In chapter 11, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. In chapter 14, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And in chapter 15, he said, I am the true vine. Do you realize the stunning impact of what Jesus is saying about himself? He's saying to us, I am the true nourishment for your hungry souls. He's saying, I am the one who brings illumination, the light of life, the very truth and goodness of God into a dark world. He's saying, I am the only way to gain access to God and his good care in your life. I am the one who leads God's people to spiritual nourishment, rest, refreshment, righteousness, and eternal life. He's saying, I am the life-giving power of God that defeats death forever. He's saying, I am the way to God the truth from God, and the life of God. And he's saying that if you are joined to me, you receive the very life of God from me to yourself. These are stunning statements. These are not anything that just any ordinary person can say. In fact, statements like this are why C.S. Lewis famously wrote in Mere Christianity, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and who said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God, but let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us, He did not intend to. And see, Jesus did more than just say those things about himself. Because there have been, throughout human history, many crazy people who have said similar things about themselves. But Jesus demonstrated that that's who he was. Right after he said, I am the resurrection and the life, he raised a man who had been in the tomb for four days, witnessed by a crowd of dozens of people who had gathered to grieve him. 
when he said, I am the bread of life, it was right after he had fed 5,000 people miraculously. When he said, I am the light of the world, it was right after he had healed a man who was born blind, something that no one had ever done in the history of the world. Jesus proved who he was by his public miracles and then ultimately by his own resurrection from the dead, witnessed by his disciples and by crowds of hundreds of people. But Jesus does more than just speak clearly about who he is. Tonight, he also calls us to share in who he is. Because he says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is the light of the world, the manifestation of God's truth and goodness in the midst of a dark and broken world. And if we want to walk in God's light, there's only one way to do so, and that is to follow him. In him, in Jesus alone, the darkness flees and the light of God shines upon us. He gives in himself the light of life, he says. You know, two things happen without any light. One is, you can't see where you're going. And two is, everything dies. Jesus says, whoever follows me will have the light of life. You will know where you are going and you will have true and eternal life in him. So this Christmas, don't celebrate Jesus' birthday without truly knowing him, loving him, and rejoicing in him. He is the one who makes Christmas Day and every day for all of eternity truly worth living. He cleanses us from our sin, and he fills us with his life and light. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the most precious gift of all, the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. He is the light of the world, and in him, and in him alone, we have the light of life. Father, I pray that everyone gathered here tonight would know Jesus, and would know the light of life that is found in Jesus alone. And I pray this in Jesus' name, and for his sake, amen.